welcome back to the Brock List Podcast YouTube channel. As always, I am joined with Nathan, and we have one hell of a game to talk about. The Easter period didn't go as we really hoped it might, but um, like this Middlesbrough team has shown under Michael Carrick plenty of times after a few upsets, a, a few um, sort of poor results, they've bounced back. And they've bounced back in emphatic fashion. Um, normally, I just ask you how your week's been leading up to the game. Uh, but given sort of the game was played on a Friday night, I'm actually going to basically swap it round and say, what are your plans for the rest of the weekend? Because now our, our job's done. I'm sure, I mean, everyone we'll have a better weekend now, knowing that our job's done and we can relax for the next two days. Yeah, they will. And uh, last night, following the game, I thought, right, well, we'll have a look at the uh, the weekend's fixtures, have a, a scan of what I think that the um, the results are going to be like. And, uh, yeah, just kick back, relax, watch the rest of the championship, have a, a mad weekend as Borough just chill after doing the business against Norwich. We've started off with an early kickoff, but we're going to move away from the Championship and talk about the Premier League for two minutes because we're recording this at around half past two on Saturday afternoon. And we've just seen Aston Villa, the uh, the parent club of some Borough starlets that starred on Friday night, absolutely wipe the floor with Newcastle United. 3-0 to Villa and uh, a Borough player who made an impact last night. His brother was uh, sublime this afternoon for Aston Villa. So, yeah, what a weekend for the Ramseys. And, yeah, what a weekend for us at the minute, Chris. We, we're yet to see the championship results, but you can't ask for much more than, than what we've got so far already with Borough winning and Newcastle getting steamrolled. Yeah, yeah, it's. Um, I mean, it's as good of a start to a weekend as you could you could possibly imagine. Really, I, I don't know what other results may go our way later on, but uh, it's certainly got off to a good start, hasn't it? And uh, to be honest, it's pointless wasting any more time talking about anything else because I know we're both buzzing really to talk about the demolition of Norwich last night. Um. As always, we'll we'll talk about the team first. Obviously, there was uh, a couple of changes. Uh, how did you feel about those, Nathan? Yeah, of course. the The one change to the eleven was Crooks out and Cameron Archer coming in. I thought that that was a change that was probably likely. Um, I think that away from home, Matt Crooks is your man to start up front, really, because he offers you something a little bit different to Archer. Archer's usually a man that gets in behind, causes a lot of chaos that way, whereas Crooks can be a little bit more of your typical striker away from home that can hold the ball up and link play a little bit better. Um, so I, I thought Archer coming in was, was perfect, and especially anticipating that Norwich were going to play in a particularly expansive way, which, I mean... They were the architects of their own downfall, really, uh, getting a little bit ahead of myself there talking about the game. But, yeah, there was that change. And then, of course, the other change was Riley McGree, uh, who was on the bench at Bristol City. Uh, he was dropped from the squad for this one because of an injury in training. 
and coming in was Isaiah Jones, which was which was good to see. And I think we'll get on to Isaiah Jones as a bit of a subject topic later on. Yeah, yeah, it was nice to see his name back on the back on the team sheet, wasn't it? After what feels like months, really, without seeing uh, his name on there. Uh, but yes, as you say, obviously without Riley McGree and the same sort of two front men, I guess, tucked in behind Tuba and and Cameron Archer, Fours and Ramsey. And going into this game, obviously, we all knew of um, the fact that Aaron Ramsey had had his loan cut short at Norwich and then joined Middlesbrough, of course. Uh, and we and everyone else, really, including Norwich fans, were, were led to believe it was to do with injury and that was the only reason. Um, obviously, we'll get on to it, but... Uh, it become apparent even in the warm-up, Nathan, that Norwich fans, for some reason, aren't too keen on Aaron Ramsey. Yeah, um, quite surprising, really. Of course, he, he did okay for them in the first half of the season. Um, played against us for Norwich uh, in that last game before the World Cup break. And, yeah, a few boos in the warm-up for Aaron Ramsey when his name was announced over the Tannoy um by the Norwich fans and yeah a bit of a strange one especially when uh, you look at the social media reaction of oh well why has he done that when we've all been okay with him well there were there were quite a few vocal boos from from the away and so uh I think that when we get on to discussing what happened he was probably well within his rights yeah yeah I think uh I think that's been a uh quite a funny old topic on, on social media, especially Twitter over the last sort of 24 hours. But uh, yeah, we'll get on with when we talk about Borough's opener. But actually, Nathan, in, in terms of the start of the game, I actually felt that Norwich probably started the better of the two sides. And uh, and they had chances, didn't they? Um, Sergeant and Pookie is, is somewhat of a sort of similar lineup to Cameron Archer and Tuba with... with uh, Sergeant playing just a little bit off um, the number nine, and the the both look threatening. Obviously, uh, Josh Sergeant Norwich's top scorer this season, and obviously, we all know what uh, Timo Timu Puki can do in in this division. So yeah, I've got to admit, I, I thought they started the better, and perhaps uh, could have got themselves ahead, couldn't they? Yeah, they did. Um, I think that they sort of came with a, a game plan to be, be a little bit expansive um, because they knew that they needed to get something out of this game. They probably thought that or a, there was a stat that came up the other day when we played Bristol City that said that Middlesbrough concede, that con- have conceded the, uh, the most goals in the opening 15 minutes of the Championship this season. And they probably saw that and thought that they were going to attack us early. Um thought that they could be expansive early on and they were, they did have that chance with Sargent just putting it past the post, but it also cost them as well because seven minutes into the game, Middlesbrough take the lead a little bit against the run of play. Um, a ball down the line by Tommy Smith. Um, Marcus Force looks to knock it inside. I don't know if it comes off him or if it comes off Sam McCallum, um, but it falls into the feet of Akpom. Tuba drives forward, lays Archer in down the line, and I was sort of expecting Archer to hit a shot across goal, but instead he delays, waits for Ramsey, 
who's all by himself at the far post, squares it, easy tapping, 1-0 up after seven minutes. And Aaron Ramsey wheels away towards the away end, arms outstretched and cups the ears as well. Yeah, easy as that. And it was against the run of play a little bit because Norwich did start quite well. But if you want to play expansive against this Middlesbrough side where we have attacking options all over the park that are in form, then you're just asking for trouble, really. Yeah, I fully agree. And I also agree that it was against the run of play. Um, listen, it was a, a great a great win and great pressure by Smith to obviously start off the counter-attack. And, and as you say, uh, Cameron Archer in that position, you almost expect him to fire a shot off. But like we saw actually for the fifth goal, he does well to compose himself and, and just pick out the right pass and, and really guarantee the goal, I suppose. Um, obviously an easy finish for Aaron Ramsey. But yes, uh, uh, a, a quite interesting moment because obviously after the booze in the warm-up, um, he'd clearly heard them and uh, wanted to make his feelings known to that section of, of Norwich away fans um, and it it really is interesting because clearly I don't know if it's through Norwich's beliefs that he didn't want to stay at Norwich after Dean Smith departed or if there's a deeper meaning or deeper reason that we don't really know about, I'm not too sure but clearly that relationship has become quite tarnished since he uh, went back to Aston Villa, having been at Carroll Road earlier this season. But I mean, nonetheless, it was pretty hilarious and and some top grade A shit outsery from Ramsey to uh, give it to the Norwich fans. Yeah, Unfortunately, after that, um, yeah, it was almost comedic that that very man then pretty much hobbles off the pitch and 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 picks up a a nasty knock and it was just it was really disappointing because you could see after that goal especially I think he went on a long mazy run down the left and, and won a corner out of it um, and he, he was so up for it you could tell he was ready to to get at their back line and he, he seemed to even have the beating of, of Max Aarons early on in the game so yeah massive disappointment to see him go off and it looked to be uh, a, an ankle injury I think yeah, I think it was, and I think it actually came from a challenge from Aaron's. Actually, um, I, I remember it, and and um, Ramsey had sort of felt it a little bit. He, he he actually got past Aaron's, made a pass that went astray, and then they'd kicked it out for a, a Borough corner. The corner was taken, and after a few moments more of play, then he, then he went down tried to carry on, came back on, went down again. And yeah, um, it was unfortunate. He got his goal. He looked buoyed as well with the atmosphere from the Norwich fans giving him almost a bit of fuel to just try and, well, put them to the sword by himself pretty much. And yeah, unfortunately, Aaron Ramsey had to come off. Um, of course, we're, we're now looking at this a little bit in um, in hindsight, looking at um, a few of the players' posts after the game and things like that. And and, and Ramsey's did say, I'll be back very soon, it said. So hopefully that isn't too serious. 
and uh, hopefully he almost just came off as a little bit of a precaution looking at the, the running to, to the end of the season. But yeah, I'm certainly glad that uh, Aaron Ramsey did leave Norwich City because he's been uh, a revelation for Middlesbrough in the past. Well, since he came in, but in the past two games especially, he probably single-handedly grabbed us a point uh, on, on Monday afternoon with his goal and uh, his assist for Matt Crooks. And yeah, his, his goal set us well on our way yesterday evening as well. Um, but yeah, the change was a little bit a little bit strange as well, really. Um, looking at it, I thought that the obvious change would probably be Isaiah Jones coming on um, to, to go out wide. Um, and then you keep Hackney and and housing in there and it, it's pretty much like for like really with attacking midfielders and wingers um but instead michael carrick jonathan woodgate aaron danks all opted to go with something a little bit different alex mauer came on um and sort of picked up the role that hayden hackney would usually fulfill and hayden hackney was pushed to a a left attacking midfield position and do you know what looking at it i thought that it was Possibly a strange move because I haven't seen Hayden Hackney play there before. But um, as I say, we're recording the podcast with a little bit of hindsight and by God, was it a fantastic move because both Mauer and Hackney were fantastic yesterday evening when they were both on the pitch. And yeah, the second goal kind of comes a little bit, I don't want to say fortuitous because I think that it was completely fine that Borough played on, but we'll run through what actually happened. So Johnny Housen on the ball in the middle of the park, Sam McCallum comes in and I'm not going to lie, I winced at the challenge because I thought that it could have been horrendous for Johnny Housen rather than McCallum because Johnny Housen's got a straight leg going into this challenge and McCallum's body weight falls forward onto Housen and I thought, oh my God, this could be a really bad injury. But Johnny Housen comes off the better of the two um, McCallum's down, but they play on into midfield. It goes to Marquinhos, who does the typical Premier League thing of falling over, but grabs the ball because it must be a foul because I fell over. The referee waves it away, gives Middlesbrough a free kick. Borough take it quickly and attack down the left-hand side. Play through uh, the inside of the pitch. Cameron Archer plays a nice one-two off uh, Jakob Lungi Sorensen, actually. So there's your attempt. Oh, sorry, there's your time to uh, clear the ball away because a Norwich player actually had possession of the ball. Um, anyway, Borough player down the right. Marcus Force skips past on El Hernandez as if he's not even there. Puts a ball in the box. And it's sort of behind Hackney. So he has to readjust. But his finish is, is unbelievable. Uh, Right-footed, catches it just as it's dropping, side-foots it into the far corner. Angus Gunn can't get across there. And David Wagner is crying on the side of the pitch. Um, yeah, it was a really, really good move and a really good finish from Hayden Hackney coming in off that left-hand side. His first goal at the Riverside for Middlesbrough. And, yeah, he deserves it 100%. He's been sublime uh, since he's come into the side. In the last few games, he's possibly dropped below his levels that he's set a little bit. 
but yesterday he was back to his best. He was fantastic, and yeah, it was a great finish. Yeah, it was. It, it almost seemed like even on the volley or, or half volley, I, I don't know if there's a slight bounce before it lands, but I mean, he, he quite literally passes it into the far corner. Um, and for someone that's only scored one goal for, for Middlesbrough prior to it, I mean, you, you wouldn't have been surprised if if Chu Rathbom had to put a similar finish away, to be honest. It was a, a cultured finish. And yeah, Hackney higher up the pitch and um, making an impact from that from that wide left roll, which, uh, as you said earlier, I, I don't think anyone really sort of predicted when... Uh, when Aaron Ramsey sort of limped round uh, the side of the pitch and come off. But, yeah, fantastic to obviously get a, get a second and, and add some sort of safety to the scoreline, I guess. And, um, and, yeah, I mean, even after that second goal, the madness just continued, didn't it? It did. It was um, such a strange five minutes from then on, really. Um in this sort of instance for the goal, or a player down the line, and Marcus Force is put in, I think it is in McCallum again, under pressure by the corner flag. The referee blows for a free kick, sorry, the linesman flags for a free kick. And Norwich opt to take it quickly. Tommy Smith's bombed on anyway to try and help Force in the corner. As Norwich take the free kick dead quickly, Sarah's not even aware that the ball's being played in his direction. So Smith wins it back dead quick and knocks it into Johnny Housen. Housen then plays into Tuber. Tuber tries to turn, realises he can't go anywhere, knocks it back into Housen. Housen plays it into Alex Mowat. Mowat does really well, picks the ball up on a half turn and sets us away on an attack. His ball is inch perfect for Cameron Archer. It takes Max Ahrens out the game because he's stretching and he doesn't get there. Archer takes one touch. He takes another touch to sort of set himself and he just slides the ball in the far corner for a 3-0 up and it was game dead, really, um, as far as I was concerned, until uh, Norwich did add a little bit of uh, nervousness to the score sheet. Um, it was a bit of a sloppy one for me, this one, Chris. It was. It give was. Me, uh, give me your viewpoint uh, on, on this one and who may be or may, or may not be at fault for this one. Yeah, just, just before that one, just on the Cameron Archer one, the finish, I mean, as deadly as we know he is. Um, I don't know if you sort of noticed I'm, I'm sure a few would have picked up on it the fact that the actual finish with his right foot into the far corner almost was a carbon copy of the finish away at Sheffield United like his body shape and everything which I thought was um I thought was interesting I don't know if you've seen earlier on this week in the Champions League Thierry Henry did a sort of little piece on on Chelsea's attackers and basically their lack of confidence in, in, in goal-scoring positions and sort of strikers having a, a certain finish that they'll go for and a certain body shape that they'll opt for um, in those positions and having confidence to basically execute it without overthinking it. And I think that's exactly what you see from Cameron Archer when he gets in those positions. 
you're almost back in the score. And uh, there's even been a few comparisons with the young Jermaine Defoe uh, over, the, over the last few hours on Twitter. And to be honest, I can see it a little bit pacing behind and uh, obviously a, a deadly striker. So, yeah, perhaps uh, a comparison that hopefully we'll, we'll see more of towards uh, the back end of this season and going into the playoffs as well. But, yes, on, on the Norwich goal, listen... It, it reminds me of of Giles almost against Bristol City. Okay, yes, it's further across the pitch, but in this scenario, the Middlesbrough player has complete control of the situation. Of course, I'm talking about Paddy McNair. Uh, the ball's sort of almost gone past him, but, you know, Sargent isn't going to beat him for pace. I think McNair actually takes his first touch. And... I, I don't know if he's trying to almost hook it back round Sergeant and, and keep it in play and almost play that channel ball. But in that situation, I mean, he can potentially even go back to Stefan if he really wants to. But I, I can see with Sergeant or close to him why he's opted to to sort of go the way he's facing and, and on his right foot. But yeah, it, it comes back off Sergeant. He's attempted channel ball or clearance. I mean, some people were saying he should have just hoofed it into row Z, but that's not exactly the type of defender that Paddy McNair is. But yeah, it's it's just one of those ones where, to be honest, it's a Paddy McNair error, isn't it? But you can kind of see what he's trying to do. In this case, it just he just gets it wrong and doesn't get enough on it. And uh, yeah, the, the attempted clearance sort of puts... Josh Sargent threw on goal and I thought that Sargent was going to attempt to square it but Stefan comes rushing out um, legs open and Sargent really just slots it through his legs and uh, yeah even though with that three goal lead obviously uh, Sargent pulling one back for, for Norwich I didn't really have that sort of feeling of oh dear they, uh, they might get back into this that, because I don't know. It just felt, and I know we should say um, that they did have a couple of injuries defensively. Obviously, Grant Hanley and Ben Gibson, two massive misses for the centre of their defence. But even when they got one back, it felt like we could then basically kick off and score again because every time we went forward, they just looked really suspect at the back. And actually, obviously, that's what ended up happening. But yeah, it's... uh, for want of a better word, it's just a crap goal to concede and, and one that Paddy McNair probably won't want to see back. Yeah, it is. And I actually don't think it's just McNair that's at fault. Of course, it looks like it's him because he's the one that gives the ball away. But the ball that sort of sets it all off is House and knocks a, knocks a ball back into Lenahan that I don't think he's actually intending to. I think he's trying to win a tackle. Um, and then Lenahan on, on on one touch lays it into McNair. And from McNair's position there, he can either hook the ball with his left foot just in the middle of the park, or he can do what he tried to do, which was get the ball onto his right foot and then try and hook it down the channel. Um, he opts to, to do that, and it's sort of... Leaves him one option, really, because he, he can't knock it back to Stefan because Pookie's gambled and he's already gone. 
towards Stefan to cut that pass off. So he's he's got to either knock the ball down the line or knock the ball out of play. And Sargent's read it because of Pookie's movement, won the ball off him. And yeah, I think that it, it always looked to me like he was going to take the shot on when he was driving in the middle of the pitch, uh, sorry, into the box, because Daryl Lenahan doesn't go across. Uh, he, he does this quite often. He doesn't step across and uh, try and deal with the danger. He'd rather mark whoever's in the box and leave Stefan. And um, yeah, Stefan gets the ball put through his legs and uh, yeah, as you say, Norwich scoring didn't really impact any sort of momentum in the game. It was a daft goal to concede that is a slight black mark on Middlesbrough's performance because apart from that moment, they, they didn't offer a whole lot at all. I can't remember Zach Stefan really having to make a save in the game. Um, but yeah, it, it felt like when Middlesbrough were going to kick off again, it felt like we'd go into half time three one up, bruising really with a two goal uh, a two goal lead. Um, but yeah, on the uh, on the stroke of half time, another one comes out of nowhere. Really, um, Borough have a free kick on the edge of the box. Marcus Forst was really well, actually, to win the free kick from uh, Gabriel Sara, who, I mean, we'll get on to in a minute after the after the goal. Um, but yeah, Giles puts the ball in the box. It's not one of his best deliveries, but it goes to Sarah, who takes a touch, passes it to uh, Cameron Archer. Cameron Archer takes a touch, fires a shot in, and yeah, Borough 4-1 up. A good finish from Archer. I think he, I swear, every single shot I've ever seen Cameron Archer take, it's always on target every single time. Um, so calm and composed in the box, just knows where the goal is every single time. Yeah, just uh, a really, really good performance from Archer. Uh, two goals and an assist in the first half. And obviously we've got the second half to come as well. But yeah, talk me through this finish, Chris. Yeah, it's again... I think this is where the Defoe comparison sort of started, I guess. Uh, it's just deadly in the box from Archer again. And look, one of his main attributes is pacing behind. But I mean, whether he didn't have that pace or not, I'm sure he'd have a career that was very successful in the football industry because he is a natural finisher. Um, and... I'd go as far to say is, I know this might sound almost ridiculous, given that Tuba has been deadly. But actually, I think in terms of a natural finisher, Cameron Archer is probably more of the natural finisher. And it shows in this goal, gets his head over the ball. Obviously, he's weaker left foot. And it's just unstoppable, goes through all the bodies. And Angus Gunn's got no chance, really. It's, as you say, it. It's almost like when he goes through on goal or even gets half a sniff at goal, if he doesn't score, it's going to be on target and it's probably going to trouble the keeper. And obviously, in this instance, he fires it in at the back of the net and, and gets his brace. And yeah, it's um, 
quite remarkable situation to be in going into the break. I think it pretty much hit the net on, on 50 minutes. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I can ever remember going into the halftime break almost thinking, well, second half can only get better, really. I mean, it, we're 4-1 up. Um, I don't really fancy Norwich to, to put us under any more pressure. And I almost didn't want the half to end because uh, I fancied us to get five, six, seven or eight, to be honest. Yeah, uh, there, I think there was a moment, actually, uh, as the fourth one went in when I span round to you and we just pointed by how many how, how many fingers yeah. um, we were going to get were. But yeah, Borough utterly dominant in the first half. Um, as I say, the Norwich goal was a, just a little bit of a black mark on what was a really, really good first half display. And... Yeah, Borough absolutely cruising. The game was probably well and truly out of sight. And uh, yeah, we uh, we moved on into the second half and it just continued. Um, 49 minutes on the clock. Uh, number five goes in. Um, Norwich trying to play around at the back a little bit. Uh, trying to play a cross-field ball to uh, Max Aarons. Hayden Hackney reads it in the air, knocks it down into midfield for Moet. And you think, oh, well, Gabriel Sarah's favourite to win this ball. Alex Mowat puts in an unbelievable tackle, sliding along, along the riverside turf that was, I mean, it was probably like wet and wild. It was... <laughs> It was absolutely soaking last night at the Riverside. Um, a really damp evening that you wouldn't put probably in April. It was probably more like a February uh, mm. type game. But Alex Mauer, unbelievable, slides in, flicks the ball beyond the Norwich defence for Archer to run onto. And you think he's going to finish this and get his hat trick. Not, he's the most unselfish striker I think that most have ever seen because any other striker would go for goal but Archer squares it across and there he is the train steaming in six yards out slots in and that is him tied in the record since the uh, the championships um, reformation of eight home games in a row in which he scored in which yeah, he's uh, such a sublime player. 27 league goals for the season now. It just, at first, it didn't seem real that he was uh, in such ridiculous form. But now you just think it's just a weekly occurrence that you rack from scores. And yeah, um, I, I probably will have mentioned. Uh, earlier on in the season, but when he scored his uh, his first goals against Sheffield United, I had a look on Skybet, Championship top goal scorer, Tube Rackpom, fifty to one. Thought right, we'll have a quid on that, and uh, it is as safe as houses now. It is well and truly as safe as houses. Um, 
think he's nine clear of Jokeres with how many games to go? Five, four? Four games to go. Four, game, four games to go. Of course, there's teams playing currently. But um, yeah, Chubrak Pom out on his own, championship top goal scorer. And yeah, so, so unselfish from, uh, from Cameron Archer. And with 49 minutes on the clock and 5-1 up, you thought, oh, my God, this could be a real route and it could be six and seven. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I went uh, I went to the match with my brother last night who, uh, for different reasons, hasn't had a season ticket since. I think his last season would have been the first season back in the championship. And uh, I, I turned around to him and went, do you know what? We could get six here. I don't think I've ever seen us sco- uh, seen us go- score six at home. And uh, he turned to me and went, "Well, it's going to have to be some scoreline to beat the eight that we scored against Man City. That's my record." And yeah, there was a little bit of bitterness from me there because I thought, even if we do get eight, it's not quite against uh, Manchester City. But I would have loved it nonetheless. But yeah, I mean, I'm happy to settle with five. You know, um, under Tony Pulis, you were sort of celebrating. Uh, for a few days after getting a corner in a game. Um, so to get five multiple times at home this season is just remarkable. And uh, yeah, that goal made us top goal scorers in the whole division, Nathan, with 79. It is the stuff of dreams, really, as a Middlesbrough supporter. You almost expect like a, a nip and a punch very shortly and just wake up like, ah. Oh, yeah, the last few months have been a blur. Um, that can't have, can't have possibly happened. We've got the league's top goal scorer, the league's top assister, and we've scored the most goals in the division. Currently, obviously, that may change over the course of the weekend's results. But, I mean, it's you almost sort of don't know the words to describe how good of a turnaround it's been under Michael Carrick at the moment. And... Uh, yeah, long may it continue because we made Norwich, who, yes, okay, had a couple of, of big injuries, but I mean, we made them look so, I was about to say average, but to be honest, we made them look absolutely dreadful. Um, and yeah, that was partly down to their game plan. But listen, you've got to still go and score the five goals, and, uh, and we certainly did. And it could have been more, but um, we, we've spoken about the goals. I think it's time we just start talking about some individual performances. Um, Alex Mauer, who would have thought, who would have thought, Nathan? I don't know if it was last week's podcast or the week before. It might have even been the week prior to that. But we joked about Alex Mauer being a star man and, and scoring one late in the season to uh, keep our automatic promotion hopes alive, I think. And, okay, yes, the automatic promotion hopes may have gone, uh, but there was a key reason for our hope, and it was uh, two memes that have been stored in your camera all all season, of course, one of which is a video of him um, talking about a goal he scored, which obviously wouldn't have been fitting for last night. But uh, the other, which certainly was fitting for last night, was a young Alex Mauer MC. I'm not even sure where, but after that performance, I mean, there's never ever going to be a better a better occasion to whip that out and get that on Twitter because I mean, he was a revelation really from his substitution. He was winning the ball back, 
retaining the ball, getting nice and high. Obviously, got the assist for Archers. Um, first goal. And yeah, I thought he was terrific. I really, really thought he was terrific. And credit to him because his toys could have been out the pram months ago when he wasn't getting game time. Hayden Hackney, uh, a young lad playing ahead of him, um, albeit very well. But he's bided his time. He's done well coming off the bench as a substitute, even for five or ten minutes here and there. And he finally gets his chance to, to get a decent run out. And, and by goodness, he, he really took that opportunity with both hands, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He was brilliant. Um, played a part in two of the goals. Um, his pass for the third goal for Archer was brilliant. And his tackle for the fifth goal was sublime. It was a really, really good tackle. Um, and yeah, as you say, he's bided his time. We've seen him come on in, in in short cameos at the end of games. And in fairness to him, he's, he's looked quite comfortable in those when he's come on for the last 10, 15 minutes of games. He's looked like he's controlled things really well, um, albeit Borough usually 3-4-0 up uh, when he does come on. But yeah, Alex Mauer, fantastic. And uh, yeah, I didn't think we'd ever be able to use the meme. So yeah, brilliant that we've been able to use that, hopefully, he has got the uh, the goal at Kenilworth Road or against Coventry in him before uh, before the end of the season because that would be uh, fantastic to use the other one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we didn't think that this one would have been possible, the MC in video. So, I mean, who knows between now and the end of the season, Nathan. Um, just on another individual performance, uh, a special shout-out to the referee on the night who managed to miss one of the most blatant penalty decisions I think I've possibly ever seen in my 21 years on this planet, Nathan. Yeah, it was uh, incredible, really, how he's not given it. Even I've sort of winced at it and thought, what are you doing? Why have you swung your leg there, Ryan Giles? But yeah, I couldn't believe it that the referee hasn't spotted it, that the linesman hasn't spotted it and flagged for it. But um, Max Ahrens doesn't help himself in the sense that he's laid on the floor, realises that the referee doesn't immediately give it, gets up, sprints 15 yards to the referee, complaining, and then sits down again. Yeah, um, stinking uh, attitude there. But yeah, I thought that apart from that, the referee did quite well in... Um, in, in dealing with the game, there was one instance. Um, I think it was actually after a Borough goal. Um, a load of Norwich players surrounded the referee, and sometimes you see it, but sometimes referees don't do it. Which I mean, it baffles me as to why, because the rules are in place for a reason. But the new ruling is if three players surround the referee, then you've got to book one of them because it, it should only be two. And uh, I think it was four players ran round him and he just pointed at one of them and he went, yeah, have that one. Um, but yeah, um, Norwich heads went in that first half a little bit because the the ball wasn't kicked out for them um, when McCallum was down injured. But as I say, we don't have to kick the ball out for them. They kicked the ball out for Ramsey, but that was... On their own accord, you don't have to. Borough going for uh, 
for the playoffs as of there. And uh, yeah, I'm glad that Borough playing on resulted in a goal because it just goes to show that that there's a there's no time for for playing fair in in, in some scenarios. And uh, Borough doubling the lead was fantastic. And uh, Norwich heads going for uh, the last few minutes at the end of the first half allowed Borough to get three and then uh, and then four as well. So yeah, um, as well. Do you want to know what? Fair enough to the Norwich fans as well for travelling up because it was probably the most I've ever seen Norwich bring up here um, apart from when they were like 20 points clear at the top of the championship a few years ago. Um, but yeah, fair enough to them, especially when uh, a few of them aren't enjoying the football under David Wagner. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that they'd bring um, a little bit more in terms of what they offered on the pitch um, than what they did do. I suppose that it doesn't help that they are missing the two centre-halves and uh, also Kenny McLean in midfield. But, yeah, as I said at the start of the podcast, uh, when explaining about the first goal, if you want to play expansive football against this Middlesbrough side with the uh, the attacking players that we have, then you're going to get punished and you deserve to, to hold five goals. Uh, after 50 minutes because some of the defending from them was uh, was very suspect, especially in that fourth goal where uh, Gabriel Sarah, who Sky Sports were very keen to tell us, was uh, scouted by AC Milan, was uh, playing great passes into the feet of Cameron Archer for that fourth goal. So, yeah, um, all the best to them in their uh, their quest for the playoffs. But on the whole, from what we've seen, from them this season, I hope that they make it and we play them because they were absolutely horrendous. Yeah, listen, I'm I'm gonna keep quiet on that one because I, I've seen them dismantle our playoff hopes once before at the final hurdle. And uh, although I've got to admit, I can't really see them making it now. This football gods listening at all times, Nathan. There is, but I believe that the only reason that they did beat us that day was Johnny Elson in midfield, and now he's played for us. So yeah, yeah, they, that is true. I, I seen um, might have been Darren Huckabee. It was an ex Norwich uh, Norwich player anyway, tweeting last night, basically saying Howson's about thirty seven and he's still the best player on the park. And although he probably wasn't the best player on the park, I mean, it's just another typical. Fantastic performance from Johnny Owson. Uh He just makes us tick, doesn't he? But as you say, yeah, it's lovely to have him on our side rather than in yellow and green. Um, but yeah, I, I think one one topic that you wanted to touch on, um, and you mentioned it earlier, obviously Isaiah Jones back in the squad for the first time in a while. And he also come off the bench. And yeah, um, although a few of his crosses and I think one shot was a little bit wayward, uh, looked to be somewhat on the road back to his former self and, and looked a little bit more confident and obviously nice to see him getting at fullbacks and, and being the Isaiah Jones that we sort of all fell in love with last season, really. Yeah, and when he when he came on, it was good to hear like a massive ovation for him as well from the from the Borough fans. Um, but yeah, I'll just read out his, his post-match uh, Instagram post um, in which it read, big three points, happy to be back on the pitch 
after a difficult couple of months for me and my family on and off the pitch, but onwards and upwards. Hashtag UTV. So yeah, great to have Isaiah Jones back uh, amongst the, uh, the the playing squad. And yeah, I'm holding out massive hope that he comes good again because he was the star man last year. There's no doubt about it. He was on his way to the tippy top pretty much. And yeah, my hope is that he rediscovers a bit of his, his form from last season because even if it's an Isaiah Jones at 75% tilt compared to uh, what we saw last season, he'd be a real asset in the uh, in the running from now to the end of the season. And also, hopefully, uh, after last night, uh, the playoffs as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, um, I think given the post that he sent out, uh, a lot of people may be sort of taking a step back now and, and, and realising that actually footballers are sort of human and they do have their own issues and problems going on. So obviously we don't know what that is, but whatever it has been, obviously uh, very recently become a, a dad for the first time as well. So uh, yeah, all our best wishes to Isaiah Jones and, and hopefully, as you say, he can get back to that level that he was at last season because that would be one hell of a frightening prospect. Um, looking ahead, obviously going into, I mean, it, it, it's r- ridiculous for me to say, really, the last few games of the season. Um, Hull coming up on, on Wednesday night, you obviously travel to the Ringer side and then that massive, massive clash looking a little bit further on. Again on Sky, looting away. Uh, obviously, we may well do a podcast following Hull or we may well sort of group those two together. But looking ahead to those two games, Nathan, um, I think you look at, at them both and right now, most would probably absolutely snap anyone's hands off for four points. Yeah, I think that that'd be uh, ideal for us, really. Um, just sort of thinking, like looking at the league table and things like that. Of course, we we will get a, a full view on Hull uh, City later on um, tonight because for some reason... Sky, I think it's a class idea to put uh, a championship game on at quarter to eight on a Saturday evening like we had against Rotherham earlier on in the season with uh, Blackburn against Hull. But yeah, Hull at the moment are on a, a good bit of form, actually. Um, lying 16th in the table. Uh, a lot of people will be a little bit deceived by that. But the last uh, the last few games, they're, they're unbeaten in four. Um, with with a few draws against uh, Reading and Rotherham, and then they played out that four four thriller in which they scored a ninety seventh minute penalty to snatch a draw away at Sunderland, and then last week they played at home against Millwall, who were of course in and around those playoff places, and uh, beat them one nil. So yeah, good run of form for Hull, uh, and of course going away to Blackburn tonight if they get anything there that continues that momentum for them. And it'll be a difficult game. It really will be. Um, They've had a a bit of a strange season in the sense of they had the change of ownership come in and uh, a lot of new players come in as well. Um, They kept Shotter Avalace 
at the start of the season for a little bit before bringing uh, Liam Rossini in, who has always been sort of reputable as a as a good coach, um, a good up and coming coach, and yeah, he's got them playing a a good style of football, uh, quite similar to us in the way that they want to attack and and be a little bit of a, a little bit expansive, but. Of course, he's going to need time to build that and uh, and build Hull into uh, a good force in the championship. But yeah, by all means, it's going to be a really difficult game. I'm just glad that we're playing at home because it means that we have full Riverside behind us and hopefully we kick on in that game, get another win and uh, see us into the massive game. Also on Sky, uh, the following Monday, against Luton at Kenilworth Road, which will be probably the, the clash of the weekend in the championship, really. Um, it's likely going to be third against fourth, uh, in which way we don't know yet. Um, but yeah, I think that had we won our previous few games um, prior to Norwich, it would have been an even bigger game with, uh, with us probably chasing automatic promotion still. But it possibly is like a little bit of a dress rehearsal for uh, for the playoffs a little bit in in any way, whether it be a semi-final or a final. But two really good sides in the championship coming up against each other. Um, of course, we, we've got a few games before then. Of course, Luton are playing now. They're playing away at Rotherham. And uh, as far as I'm aware, they are uh, drawing nil-nil at the current time. But they've got a few injuries in the squad with uh, Alfie Doughty, who's been really good for them at left wing back, and uh, Elijah Adebayo, both out injured uh, for this one. We don't know how long those injuries are going to last at this moment in time. But um, yeah, it's never nice to wish uh, injury on on opposition players, is it, Chris Reeve? But yeah, hopefully these two are out for um, for the next few weeks so they miss out on this one and hopefully Borough go there and, and get a positive result but yeah as you say Chris four points out of these two games would be uh would be ideal and uh yeah I'd love I, I mean I would I would say I'd love nothing more but six points would be like an unbelievable uh set of results but yeah I'd, I'd 100% take uh take four points from those yeah and just on the injury note Another injury um, in in Hull's last game, um, who unfortunately missed their um, Easter Monday game. Uh, Aaron Connolly missed that game through injury. And of course, uh, Wednesday night, we'll see the return of the infamous Irish striker who made such an impact in Chris Wilder's Middlesbrough team last season. Uh, whether he's injured or not, I'm sure he will manage to sneak off to Pally Park at some stage of the night uh, because we all know that he enjoys a trip there as well. Um, I, I don't know his current injury status, but I imagine if he does play, I mean, the script's already written for him, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him just say, Gaffer, I've, I've still got a bit of a knock just so he can, uh, yeah, end up in some situation in Pally Park I think it's probably best for the good of this podcast that we don't go into in-depth detail as to, as to that chestnut um, of a video last season yeah 
yeah, probably not. Um, but yeah, I I do hope that he isn't involved because uh, yeah, we know our um, our sort of track record of mentioning former players in their record against us. So yeah, it's best that he uh, stays on the sidelines and uh, is is not involved for uh, for Wednesday night because yeah, it'd be just the typicalist of typical boroughs for a forward that was, I think it's fair to say, a lacklustre in front of goal for us to uh, to do the business against us. But yeah, as you say, um, they, they do have other, other options up front as well that are uh, probably a little bit better than him. Um, with uh, Estupinan, uh, the main one who got off to an incredible start uh, of of his goal scoring run at the start of the season, but hasn't really hit the heights since uh, September, October time. But yeah, it's going to be a really difficult game. Um, a lot of people have been looking at the teams in the playoffs, run-ins um, and rating them based on teams' positions and things like that. And I think Hull are one side that the position doesn't really tell the full story. Um, the 16th in the league um, but the league's so tight around the playoffs that you can see why they've been sort of pushed down there a little bit um, the same goes for Swansea like me and you a few few months ago when we when we played them they were something like 17th in the league and me and you were, were under no illusion that it was going to be a, a very difficult game yeah. going there because they play some really good stuff and they have some really good players. So the same will be said for Hull. Um, let's hope that uh, Tubrakpom can can break the record of successive home games and get his ninth in a row. That would be uh, it'd be unbelievable, especially against his old club as well. Yeah, and I think currently he's now on the hunt in terms of um, Riverside goal scorers as well. I know that Mark Faduka is top of that list with 35, I believe. Um, and I think last night he went level with Scott McDonald on 22. Uh, so, yeah, um, potentially, if he can get a few more, I think he might be three off uh, Ravenelli, who's currently in second spot. So, listen, he seems to have broken every other record this season. Let's hope he can break another one in what's been an absolute fairy tale of a season for him. Uh, but, yes, Nathan, unless there's anything more that you want to add, I, I think that wraps this podcast up and I mean what a podcast to do after a performance like last night yeah it's fantastic um now for uh going downstairs looking at Sky Sports and uh analyzing the rest of the playoff pack and seeing uh who's hitting form at the right time and who's not because it's going to be a massive push from now till the end of the season but that win last night we didn't really want to say it um on the podcast and things like that, especially myself, but I felt that a win last night would have been massive for uh, for confirming our place in the playoffs. And whilst it's not guaranteed yet, and I don't want to jinx it, I think that Borough should be fine. So yeah. that, that is a massive, massive positive. Um, but yeah, um, Hull to come in midweek. Um, unfortunately, I will not be there because I'm back to university this week. Um, so as was the same for the Stoke game I will be there 
with uh, a pint in hand at the Lincoln University Student Union in my borough top, looking like a right weirdo for being the only championship fan in there. And uh, yeah, I think that I'll be actually watching our game on Sky alongside uh, a pal who's a Reading fan who'll be watching their tie against Luton. So keeping tabs on both games and uh, hopefully they fall away both of our teams with a, a Borough and a Reading win on Wednesday night. Yeah, just as a, a final note, Nathan, out of interest, uh, what, what is on draft at Lincoln Student Union? Because I, I can't imagine there's a, a great selection, but yeah, go on, tell the audience. You're going to be surprised then because uh, we have your standard Carlin, we have a Moretti and we have a Madri on draft as well. So we are truly sublime and, and well-treated down at the Lincoln Student Union. Yeah, that, that comes as even more of a shock than a Chubarak probably scoring as many goals as he has this season. Uh, but yeah, that's enough uh, draft talk. Um, maybe not enough Chubarak talk because we could talk about him for the rest of our lives after this season. But yeah, um, probably enough for those who are watching and listening now before we really go off waffling about all sorts of other things. Uh, Nathan, I'll let you get off and, and, and watch Soccer Saturday and see those results come in. But uh, yeah, from, from me and Nathan, that has been another episode of the Brockless Podcast. As always, if you've watched on YouTube, please do hit subscribe and like the video. And on audio platforms, please do remember to give us a nice rating. It would be greatly appreciated. Uh, all that's left to be said is thank you ever so much for watching and listening again, and we'll see you again soon with another episode of the Brockless Podcast. Bye, 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 bye.